All right, here we are with Julius uh, Spradley. Is that how you pronounce the last name? Yeah, you got it. From uh, Contemplative Icons. All right, so before we get too hammered into it, I found some of your artwork because it was shared on Twitter by some other people. And I think I saw the one who was of the Cappadocian Fathers. And I just thought, yeah. well, I love all of these figures. And then I quickly looked over at your website and I saw that you're doing also, you have the Alexandrians and the mystics and I'm a fan of iconography and all that stuff. So yeah. you might want to be in the center of your screen just for a quick moment. There you go. Now you're in the middle. So yeah. how'd you get into this man? Yeah. So it, um, it kind of happened through a, a a number of different avenues sort of all meeting and intersecting um, around the same time. Uh, so I was really first introduced to icons and, and sort of the lives of saints in the early church through seminary. Um, okay. I attended Redeemer Seminary uh, in Dallas, Texas, which sadly no longer exists, but it okay. did for a, a, a short, really wonderful time. Um, I finished up at the end of 2016. Uh, and so through that, I, I really just developed a love for the early church, mm -hmm. um, really found out sort of a lot of the theology behind icons, a lot of the early controversies and everything, and found that to be really, just really interesting, just sort of as an area to study. Um, right. At the time, I wasn't even thinking anything about sort of creating them. Um, but oh. that sort of stuck with me. And then um, I was actually starting to kind of learn how to draw and sketch um, icons for a wood carving project actually that I was thinking really? of doing. That's fun. I was trying to, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was kind of looking around trying to figure out some ways to carve, um, like a relief icon. Um, so I started sketching, started trying to, to learn from some people, a lot of people online who had some, some great resources. And, um, I never even attempted the wood carving because I just kept drawing. I couldn't really stop, okay. uh, sketching. It just kind of kept going and going and, um, so that was sort of my entrance into sort of the actual artistic side of things. And then, um, yeah, just the more I learned about a lot of these saints that I was, um, sort of practicing drawing, the more drawn in I got to it. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, just sort of lastly in my personal life, I was being drawn much more to kind of the more sensory areas, um, of faith and worship. Um, wow. Especially in, in the, the liturgy, um, much more, um, than sort of what I felt like I had been doing, which was just mm -hmm. kind of downloading a sermon transcript into my brain. And, and mm -hmm. that was about it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so all of this sort of combined at the same time, right before the pandemic hit, um, I went <laughs> out to California to, to learn from some really great folks, um, just sort of some of the painting techniques. Wait, so you traveled to California then, to learn about how to do that? Yeah. In specific. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, so it's it's icons are sort of the old way of, of doing it is painting it in egg tempera style, which is the best way to describe it is is just like oil painting, but instead of uh, linseed oil being what binds the pigment together, it's egg yolks that bind yeah. the pigment together. Um so learning how to how to do that specifically for icons is 
you know, there, there's not many workshops out there, um, at least in the United States. Yeah. Um, there's some in Europe and, and everything, but, um, at the time I was still in Dallas and, um, California was the closest, uh, to get to. <laughs> so I did that, came back and a week later, the whole country shut down and I was given a lot of time to practice. Wow. So this actually completely coincides with COVID. Um, I yeah. actually got my first icon. It's actually this one. I got the, the Trinity one right behind okay. me. That's a, like a classic one. But then I kind of went into a yeah. spurt of buying a whole bunch of them. And so now I've got ones in every single room of my place here. You might know the classic, like the resurrection one. Yeah. That's a pretty yeah. normal one. But I think honestly, my favorite is this one that's of creation. Oh boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's Just because it's so great. colorful, but obviously these are printed or I guess they're mat matted on wood. And I understand that icons mm. usually have far more intricate layers and sometimes gold is actually folded into it, which is absolutely amazing. But yeah, I, I went to seminary as well here in Philly and I felt as though mm -hmm they would drop all these names of all these famous people from church history, but then we rarely talked about them. And then I felt as though I was like, well, I'm just going to go study these people more on my own. And so actually just yesterday I got a volume of uh, Gregory of Nyssa, uh -huh. just seven works from him. It's just some of these figures are just amazing. And I'm curious, do you have a favorite one? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm by no means an expert in, in any of them, um, any of these figures, and, and certainly not even, wouldn't even really consider myself super well-read in them. Um, but, you know, the Cappadocian Fathers, you know, I, I started with them, um, really St. Um, Basil, Basil, however it, yeah. um, mm -hmm. you prefer to pronounce it. He, he really, for whatever reason, there have been certain saints who whenever i just kind of sit down with a sketchbook and a pencil i just kind of naturally start sketching um that's amazing saint basil's one of them um he's the one who has works that that sort of are out there that are, are read john the baptist is the other but he didn't he didn't write much no um so it's 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 been sort of my entrance was was through some of these cappadocian um, fathers and learning about St. Macrina, learning, um, mm -hmm. you know, Nissa's life of Moses and some of these texts that I either read in seminary or were sort of, you know, tangential to some of the stuff that I read and, um, kind of found it, found it later. So when, when you're drawing these, do you find yourself going into a, is it worshipful to make these? Do you feel like you're getting into it in a different way? Yeah, sometimes um, it's not it's not in like a you know I don't slip into a trance or yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a, I can get obsessive in other ways and lose track of time, but uh, <laughs> it's there, there's not like a, a you know a cloud that hangs over me or anything. No. It's it, it's it's definitely worshipful in that it's just sort of a dedicated time of of study, and I I think of it as, as sort of studying and and worshiping through my hands um wow you know my my mind is certainly engaged and i'm certainly you know thinking through so i think some of my favorite parts of iconography has been you know learning about all the 
like geometry that goes on in the in the background and as you're sort of sketching and you know you showed me you know your two icons are, are both you know of scenes they're not just simply um you know a saint or a depiction of christ but there's other stuff going on so how you sort of create harmony among all the different elements um so there's just all these different layers that that you're sort of alluding to that that all draw me in in different ways so it wow. feels like a really sort of almost like holistic way of mm -hmm. um certainly worshiping um but it, i don't know it, it it's kind of the way that we talk about worship today i feel like it you know it doesn't it's not like a big emotional experience it's not mm -hmm. sort of a you know slipping into a different you know kind of state of being it's just it, it feels really simple it feels really mm. um even I, I mean contemplative so far is the best word that i can think to describe it so that's why i kind of named it that but that's so um, good yeah yeah and that's, that's sort of i how think it feels. the phrase um contemplative comes from the the latin word contemplatio which that sounds so pedantic like i'm an arrogant person <laughs> but it just means to look deeply yeah. It just means that you look deeply at things. I think that's so yeah. helpful. And I had no idea that there was geometry and harmony in the background of of icons. There's oh, yeah. like a whole, yeah. just that's blowing well, my mind. Me, the, the, one, the one behind you, you know, the, the famous icon of the Trinity, that's right. There's so many studies that have been done on that, that sort of the shape that the three figures make is, is sort of the shape of a cup. Um, there's, there's a sacramental, sort of everything flows around, um, sort of the sacrament in the middle. There's just sort of, if you look at, so the, this is going to be kind of hard to translate through a, <laughs> an audio, uh, uh, sort of podcast, but, That's okay. um, if you just look up Andre Rublev's, um, icon of the Trinity, there's just articles and all kinds of drawings on top of drawings of sort of patterns that people have noticed in it. And that's really what makes it a masterpiece. Um, it's, it's just so incredibly intricate and just the way that it's designed before he ever starts painting it. It's, it's pretty incredible. Well, and even the colors, is that right? The oh yeah. Colors of yeah. each of the persons symbolize things. That's what I think is so profound is that we think of pictures as needing to be, what's the word accurate not realizing yeah. that things are communicated symbolically that's amazing yeah and and i think a way that i can't remember who it was but the way it was explained to me was um that i iconography is completely about representing figures realistically but not naturalistically um so the idea is that you are representing something that is incredibly real and present. Um, but it's, it's sort of in essence, sort of depicting almost a glorified body rather than sort of one that you see sitting right across the table from you. So is that why the dimensions of the, the bodies and icons sometimes look a little strange or is that just yeah. because it was early, it was before Renaissance when they start paying attention to that? No, it, it's, it's designed, um, you know, in different traditions develop different ways. So, you know, the shape sort of body posture of a Russian icon is going to look different than a Greek one. Um, so as, Amazing. as they sort of developed, you know, in different, different sort of cultural, 
I guess, adaptations. Um, they one they take on sort of the philosophy and the sort of the the culture that they're in. So, you know, there have been studies done with the faces and icons for the Greek Orthodox tend to look like sort of old depictions of Greek philosophers. Um, they kind of depict them in the same ways to, to sort of speak the same language of, mm. of their people. Um, there's different schools in Russian iconography where um, the, you know, the bodies are really elongated and made to look almost more elegant and kind of like they're floating almost. There's, there's some just really cool different ways that, um, you know, it's realistic. You still see, you know, there's two eyes, there's a nose, there's a mouth, yeah. you, you know, sort of how everything fits together. Um, but the different ways that different iconographers throughout time and in different cultures have chosen to, to sort of elongate one thing or shorten another and, and everything is, is really just about language and culture and every iconographer in their time is trying to, you know, have this visual theology of this mm. sort of, um, yeah, of, of just sort That's of depicting amazing. it to a culture. I wish I could say that's mine. Um, but it's not, I, there's, so there's, I'm, I'm there's plenty of other people talk about that, but yeah, I'm absolutely fascinated by everything that you just said, because it makes me think that iconography actually is a kind of, there's like a discipline and you said there's different schools of thought about how to do it. And it's trying yeah. to depict things real, no, realistically, but not naturally. Or was it the other way? Yes. No, you got it. Um, that a lot of some iconography really survives through the East. It doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the West, a lot of religious art, you think of the Sistine Chapel, um, you think of like Michelangelo and, and sort of these high Renaissance guys, but right. the Renaissance really only happens in the West. It doesn't happen in the East. Um, so in Greece and in Russia, they don't really experience this Renaissance and this turn towards sort of naturalism and having sort of a disappearing point in the horizon and a single point mm. that everything's sort of focused around. Um, Cause the Renaissance certainly has tons of symbolism and um, you know, mm. a lot of some of the same stuff, but it's just kind of the way you depict the human form changes. Um, now, but in the, in the East where these iconographers were still working um, you know, there's some crossover, and there's some influence, but they sort of retain this idea of it's not naturalistic. I've never seen a person who looks like that, but I can recognize that that is a person. Of course. So it's it's yeah. real it's realistically done, but it's not sort of you know naturalism that oh your nose really right. wouldn't be that long or something. Yeah. Now, I'm, I understand that there was a massive what was it in the 1100s? There was iconoclasm when iconography was the pieces were just being destroyed because people in the west didn't understand them and misunderstood them as being idolatrous i actually never understood it that way i kind of understood it as like these are windows through which you look not only that but yeah. my goodness how many people were actually literate back in the day so of course you would yeah. need to use pictures in order to, I love the, the phrase you just used, visual theology. It's like yeah. before people learn how to read, they see pictures and that's how 
theology was probably communicated through all of the centuries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, especially, you know, printing presses, it's, you know, sort yeah. of where we point to, to say like, this is when people were able to have Bibles in their own language, much less Bibles in the home. Um, so, it, it, you know, there really was just this long, long period of time where, um, you know, even I'm trying to translate, you know, things across languages, sometimes visuals are a bit easier to, to mm. translate. Um, so, yeah, there, there've been a number of sort of iconoclastic uh, controversies. So times where, you know, there's, it becomes a growing sentiment that these icons or depictions of saying, you know, statues as well, like mm -hmm. any sort of depiction of the physical body of Christ, especially, but the saints as well, um, comes mm -hmm. under just controversy of, of whether that should be allowed or not, if it breaks the second commandment or not, it's, it's happened, you know, in, in Protestantism, it happened a couple times in the East. Um, and you have these figures that sort of rise up and, um, and sort of argue. So, you know, St. John of Damascus was a great mm. example of someone who argued for um, the, the preserving of icons, um, which ultimately won out. Right. You, you made mention that the East had some debates about iconoclasm. I thought it was yeah. between the East and the West. Um, I, you know, there, there were some disagreements between the East and West, um, in, in the West, a lot, a lot of the, like, like iconoclastic sort of controversies were between, you know, around the Reformation, it was between Protestants and Catholics. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of that was reacting to a lot of Catholic use of images and, and, um, statues and things, but in, in the West or sorry, in the East, you also, you know, around the six and seven hundreds, you, you start to have sort of the contact with Islam, um, contact with oh, um, okay. a lot of these cultures where, you know, in Islam, you, there's, you don't depict Muhammad at all um, visually. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not necessarily that Christians started adopting that view of, of God as well, but it, it just, it becomes that sort of a controversy mm. um, where basically the the argument that wins out from john of damascus um is hmm. that well christ decided to put on visual actual flesh and matter so what we are depicting is not trying to depict you know god the father in heaven in okay. sort of an incorporeal way or anything like that it's it's you know, these are people who lived and continue to live within the great cloud of saints they, they still are with okay. us um so you mentioned thinking about it as windows i think that's a great way to to sort of enter okay. into to um sort of how you relate to icons um people will call them windows into heaven um which i, I think beautiful. you know it, it it makes some sense uh, you know it's it's not an idea though of you know a, a window into heaven like heaven's up there somewhere um yeah. And we're looking up there rather it's a window into the saints who are here on the ground with us right um that that these saints all of this is is around us you know it's, it's in hebrews the great cloud of, of witnesses that are are with us today it's right it's that sort of participation that i think iconography really fosters you think um you the word participation you think Mm -hmm. What do you mean by participation in that? 
that sounds Eastern Orthodox, which I'm I'm totally a fan of it. But participating yeah, I, in God through these things. Um. Well, now you're getting into like theosis and everything. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean it in that way. Okay. Um, you know, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm not Eastern Orthodox. I just obviously interact with it a lot and appreciate mm-hmm. it quite a bit. Um. But I just mean participating in the sense of, you know, it's not just it's not simply just a nicely painted picture of a saint that you particularly like that right. hangs on your wall, just like any other photo. It's, it's not like a, a weird thing where it's like an entrance to Narnia or anything like that. It's, it's, <laughs> um, it's just more of a, I don't know. It's one of those things that sometimes our language just doesn't quite get mm. to, um, yeah. Is... to what that looks like, but yeah. I, I might be getting this wrong. Is it left brain is the logical brain. The right brain is the artistic. I can never remember. I can't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, my, my thought was, so I was raised in the Lutheran church and then bounced around like Presbyterianism, worked at Baptist camp, went to a non-denominational seminary, heard about all these people. So like, Along the way, I've started reading more and more Catholic and then more and more Eastern Orthodox all around. Mm -hmm. But what I found is we're so word centric, like you said, and then the whole sensory thing sometimes gets left off. So I've been to Protestant churches. I, I went to this massive one in D.C. a long time ago, and it had nothing on the walls, no art. It was like an auditorium. And then there's just a stage up in front with a podium, maybe to be minimalist or maybe just to be whatever is the opposite of Catholic. But I remember thinking in that moment, there's like no beauty to this experience right here. So that's interesting that you also noticed the shift towards the more sensory type things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as I've, sort of interacted with other iconographers who, you know, 99% of them are Eastern Orthodox. And, wow, you know, when I, when I was able to, to go out to California and learn from some and just the way that they approached just sort of the day and how they, you know, sat down to paint, it was, again, it's not like you slip into this trance where you're not aware of what's mm-hmm. going around on around you or anything. It's just sort of this acceptance of, um, of maybe just there aren't words right now. Um, mm. Like not like you're trying to be silent or trying to, it, it's, it's, that's what I mean, I guess, by sensory is, yeah. is not so much that you feel things quote unquote, but that it's um, just kind of through your hands. It's, it's, it's not something a... that we get really comfortable with um, that yeah. I'm still not comfortable with, but it's, it's helpful. Yeah. Do you have a, a top two or three icons that you've ever seen? What are some of your favorite Ooh. ones? Um, let's, let's see. There, so there's sort of a, a new school um, that's, that's kind of been coming about the last 20 or 30 years, really since the, the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, really? Because I, well, icons were, I mean, they were banned during during the soviet union so R- russian wow. or you couldn't produce any new ones people were doing it underground there's it was i did not it was know really that 
pretty crazy. And so a lot of these, apparently a lot of these big art museums in like Moscow and St. Petersburg and, and some of these places, they hid a lot of their icons like in the basements and, and everything. And then when the Soviet Union fell, they brought them back out again. And a lot of sort of modern iconography started from these conservators who were, you know, everyone had basically died off at that point who really knew how to paint icons. Oh, okay. And so they started learning it from there. So to answer your question of, of some that really strike me, a lot of what's coming out of, especially the Ukraine right now, um, and I'll send you a list of their names that you can put in show notes or something because okay. I'm not going to try to pronounce yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of what's coming out of Ukraine these days, they're just these, they're very modern. They almost don't look like what you thought of as icons classically. But they're just really, I don't know, they're, they're really beautiful. And they have this this effect on me, at least, mm -hmm. where it's, mm -hmm. um, again, it's, it's you know probably not great for a podcast because I don't really know the words to describe <laughs> it. But it's it's just this sort of feeling of, of being drawn in um, where you're not trying to kind of gather all the different elements at once. You're not trying to necessarily mm -hmm. understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, but there's especially like um, Maxim Sheshakov is, is one who I feel comfortable pronouncing. Um, okay. But he has these, just the postures that some of his um, saints are in. They're really elongated and they're really sort of bent around and they have these sort of expressions on their faces that I, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just sort of this beautiful drawing in, um, you know, again, the word participation is coming That's to mind, amazing. but it's just sort of the, the saints sort of a, drawing you with them. Um, whether it's depictions of martyrdom yeah. or of like the baptism of Christ is, is a very popular one, I guess, among the, this new school of, um, I went to the placing uh, you with it. Oh, well, that's what art is supposed to do. Just like going to a concert, it's supposed to affect you. Yeah. And that's part of it. You don't just go and appreciate the skill set by which they make paintings with the colors and things. Like, what does it produce? Right. In you? How do you respond to it? Does it like beckon your soul? Like, why does this piece of art speak to me more? And then you over there, this piece, it's just. I, yeah. I got the chance to stand in front of Starry Night a few weeks mm -hmm. ago. And I was in New York mm -hmm. City, and I remember there was a line of people, and they were going up to it to take a picture of it, but then they would go stand at the picture, the painting, and they'd turn their back to it and take a selfie with it, and their bodies blocking yeah. like two-thirds of the actual Starry Night. Uh -huh. And then they would shuffle off to the next room. I'm like, no, you should just stand in front of this and just stare in silence and be affected by it, man. Yeah, yeah. There, sort of what, what just came to mind is you know the old there's sort of a Celtic Christian understanding of thin places, of okay. There are places sort of a lot of times it might have been where a, a saint or like a very righteous monk or someone lived. Um, lived and died and maybe was buried there where it, it's just this place where it just feels like the sort of the barrier between this life and the next between earth and heaven is really thin. Mm -hmm. um, that there's just, 
you know, something extra that's sort of bypassing between the two. Um, the, wow. That that sort of feeling that happens, like you said, when you're at a concert or when you're standing in front of a, a painting or really in, in any capacity encountering beauty, it can be through the written word, um, of course, but just in any way that you're encountering beauty, it feels like this sort of thinning of, of that barrier for me. Um, so oh, when yeah. I'm painting, it, it kind of just feels, I guess maybe that's the participation I've been trying to get at the whole time is that it feels like participating in that, creating that sort of window, um, whether it's for, for me or for other people for, yeah, I mean, it's almost always for other people, but yeah, it, it's but, a really humbling, but really worshipful sort of experience. And there's something to be said that, okay, if God is creator, then actually we are being very godlike when we're being creative. Mm -hmm. And there's that's to be creative is different than being productive. And that's one of the problems yes. definitely with today's culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a big thing. And even just too like we've I feel like we've sort of created just these separate disciplines of creativity. Of what do you mean? So you know, there's well, so my undergrad is actually in creative writing. Um, that, that's nice. what I studied in college and, and it's just sort of, you know, there was in college, you know, you have a, a visual arts department, you have a theater department, a you know, music department, creative writing department. We just sort of split these disciplines up and they don't really cross over. They don't really communicate with, you know, philosophy department or a theology department or, mm -hmm. um, anything like that, but really they're all sort of participating in each other because it is sort of a pursuit of these, I guess, these classic transcendentals of truth, goodness, and beauty. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That they're not distinct from one another, but they're, you know, all mutually it's like Trinity. growing they're just each other. Yeah. Perichoresis. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, so I think that's a lot of what we sort of are not losing, but just that we're just uncomfortable with. Um, it kind of feels like, mm. like you said, you know, it's, it's not productive. It's also not performance and it's not, um, precision. Um, it's not trying wow. to sort of hit the bullseye on a target. It's just kind of understanding that there might not be a target and you're just sort of sitting with it. Um, and we don't like to sit with things. No, not at all. We love to explain things because if you can explain it, then somehow you can control the experience of it. But yeah, exactly. the creative arts are not about control. They're about obviously experience and being taken into something almost unwilling. Engagement. Yeah. 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 It's And it's unwilling. It's not like it's unconsensual or anything. It's, it's just more <laughs> like it's sort of a an enrapturing and engaging, uh, yeah. participating. Uh, it's, it's how we relate to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's all reflected in each other. I think, and I think that's what gets lost. Mm. I'm going to see if we can do this. Let me look over at this. So this is actually your website for, I understand there are some people who might yeah, be listening, yeah. but this will be on YouTube. 
but contemplative iconography this is first off aesthetically it's a beautiful website too <laughs> but Thanks. i mean that's a dapper dapper man um but up at the top when i looked at some of these where's the menu there we go some of your prints it looked like they have some of that the elongated bodies like how you had mentioned so some mm -hmm. of these ones of the cappadocians they look kind of tall some of the mystics over here um the alexandrians i'm i'm amazed <laughs> these are just fantastic but did you, well, thank you how long but... do they take you to do each one and then do you have another one you're already getting worked on um well so i just finished up the mystic um really just last week earlier this week so so that one's the the newest one um but yeah these don't take me probably as long as you think because you know it's all digital i'm not you know sitting down painting mm -hmm. um i can kind of you know doodle i guess a little bit more with these and and so they don't they don't take too terribly long but um so the elongation you mentioned sort of the the people who I learned um, sort of proportions and, and those sorts of things from, um, I think she was taught in, in Greece. She studied with um, George Cordes and some of these um, just kind of amazing artists in Athens. Um, mm. And so sort of the, the proportions I was taught is basically like, you know, a nose or a head is three or four noses high and a body is eight heads high and you sort of really? just kind of create these ratios. Yeah. Like your shoulders are a head and a half wide. Um, and it's kind of wild when you start, you kind of just like measure it on yourself a little bit or something. And it's, <laughs> it's like, Oh, that kind of is. Um, so you just kind of have these proportion quote unquote rules and that's yeah. some of the geography or not, the geometry, geometry. behind it. Yeah. That, yeah. That I was, was alluding to earlier where, um, you sort of have these these structures in place that are really traditional, um, and I don't at all feel like constrained by them. It actually feels it's really freeing because it's just basically someone sets up all the scaffolding for you, and you can just kind of go to work. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where a lot of what seems sometimes elongated, sometimes. Um, like some traditions, the foreheads look really big. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen those beards. Yeah. yeah. Beards look really long and pointed. And, um, I like to just kind of mess around, you know, I'm, I'm an American, so, um, <laughs> there's not really, uh, an American school of iconography. There's not really an American tradition of iconography. There's plenty of wonderful American iconographers, but it doesn't have, you know, you know, they're, if you're studying iconography in, in St. Petersburg in Russia, um, you have, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries of Russian iconographers that you're sort of participating with. Um, I, you know, there's, I love learning from sort of Greek style iconographers, Russians, Ukrainians, um, Crete, um, Cretan iconography is really beautiful. Um, and a lot of like Romanian stuff. So there's there's all these different kinds that I feel like I'm lucky to just sort of encounter all at once um, and kind of experiment with and mm -hmm. and 
just kind of say, okay, I'm going to kind of, maybe this icon might end up looking like I pulled all the colors from a Russian icon, but it's structured like a Greek icon. You know, I'm not necessarily thinking these things, but it's, no, that's it's just very, it, I, I don't know. It feels right for sort of the context that we're in and a really global, um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, being one of, you know, there's not many American iconographers. There's, there's really brilliant, really talented ones. Um, but there's just not too many of them. Not too many of us, I guess. No, it um, sounds so like it's, it's a small community. So I only have a few more questions, but like, how did you yeah. find out who to search out to study from? Um, well, initially I just kind of searched. I was like, okay, I've been learning and, and drawing and um, kind of learning online through, you know, people's YouTube channels, through mm -hmm. Patreon subscription, yep. those kinds of things. And um, really everyone's kind of all over the English speaking world um, that I learned a lot from that um, sort of Greek style iconographer. She was actually South African. Um, Aiden Hart is a phenomenal I'm gonna write that living down. iconographer. Um, he is in England. Um, and he's written a few books on iconography. So I learned, you know, through some of his books oh, that are, are really, really great. So I just kind of Google is like, is anybody doing this in the United States that I can learn from? Um, I was in, in living in Dallas still at the time. And it, you know, there actually is a, a master iconographer who lives in, in, in Dallas, Dallas. Texas. Yeah. Um, he did the cathedral there and just kind of stayed. He's from the Ukraine. Um, and at the time he was, I think in Ohio painting a church or something. Wow. Um, so you, you just kind of searched around and through word of mouth of, you know, everyone's really giving and really kind. And, oh, okay. You know, there might be like, you know, I'm out of state for the next four months, so I can't really look at your stuff and give you any thoughts, but so-and-so can, or maybe talk mm -hmm. to someone else. And, um, Christine Hales is, is the woman, she's an iconographer who I think she lives in Florida now, who does some workshops. Um, and she happened to have one in California and that was the options are California or upstate New York. And in March I chose California. So that's amazing. Um, that was just sort of how I wound up there and, and found a few other people who I kind of keep up with through um, probably the 10 of us who were there. And then I've just sort of found others and, you know, through social media, just kind of reach out and talk shop or, or just say, Hey, I really appreciate your work. And yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, there, there's still, you know, aren't many in, in the United States. There's a couple in Canada that I can think of, but it's, it's really just very, very global mm. um, at this point. I'm, uh, I'm kind of amazed that you got the contemplative icons com. I figured that that <laughs> website would have been claimed by now. So kudos to you, but thanks. Yeah, I guess I got lucky on that one. <laughs> but honestly, I hope it, I hope it launches off. I hope, I hope it goes really well, man. I'm actually going to order. Dang. I'm not lying too. I didn't do it yet, but I'm actually going to order the mystic one <laughs> later this afternoon after that we're done with this. Cause I'm, I well, like I the Cappadocians. I haven't read too many of the Alexandrians, maybe at some point, but uh -huh. I, I want to say I got close to saying 
reading Teresa of Avila and Dark Knight of the Soul and St. John of the Cross, reading at least mm-hmm. those two maybe saved me, saved my life. So sure. yeah. those figures are just amazing. And I think, well, of the three that you had done, the Cappadocians, the Alexandrians, and um, the mystics there, I mm-hmm. there's riches that, for good or bad, the Protestant church hasn't even gotten a chance to look at yet. And there's sure. so much good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that, that one I, I just did. Um, uh, I was pretty pleased with it. But it, that one was had been sitting with me for a while. That one had been fun to do. Um, oh, yeah? And then we'll, we'll see. I don't know. There's not necessarily plans for a fourth one. I'm sure there will be a fourth one, maybe a fifth one. I don't really know how far it'll go. Yeah. Um, as long as I keep coming up with these sort of quartets of saints. Um, well, there's a lot of people who have made COVID yeah. businesses, obviously, since COVID uh-huh. started. People found themselves having all of a sudden all this extra time. And at least you took that extra time and, and took it to be creative. So that's amazing. So I'm going to um, link to contemplativeicons.com. Your, your Twitter here is contemplative icons, but no vowels in any of the word contemplative. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. So it, Twitter limits you to however many characters in a, in a handle, I guess. Okay. Um, so contemplative icons didn't quite fit. Um, I didn't have that problem on Instagram, so they're a bit different from each other, but um yeah, that's the reason for the, the funky spelling. Gotcha. Well, again, I hope it, the business kicks off. And uh, yeah, it's anytime somebody takes a, a venture into being creative, they need to be rewarded and congratulated. So well done. Thank you for your time, man. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate it. Thanks.